be reading Colossians 3, the first four verses. I'll be reading out of the New American Standard Version. Colossians 3. If then you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. We do have visitors with us today. We are glad that you're here. I extend my welcome as well. Uh, Hope it is that you're with us every opportunity that you can, and hope it is that you find what you see here and done here this morning in accordance with God's Word. We're glad to have uh, regular members back. I know that there were a number of you that were traveling over the holidays, and I know that there's still some that are taking advantage of uh, the early weeks of January to do the same thing, and so uh, we wish those people uh, safe travels as well, but we're glad that you're here this morning. We are fascinating in our society, particularly at this time of year, with new things, aren't we? We talk about New Year's resolutions. We talk about ways that we want to be made new this year. We see these different changes in our lives that maybe we've seen ways that we failed in the past. And we say, finish the phrase, out with the old and with the new. We want to leave the old behind and we want to hold on to the new. You turn on the TV and any on any one of the cable channels, you can probably find a marathon of uh, shows that deal with getting rid of the old and putting on the new. Um, when we go to my mom's house, we like to watch Fixer Upper, you know, the ship with, uh, show with Chip and Joanna, and how it is that they go out into a dilapidated house there somewhere in Waco, and they say, well, this house could be this and this and this, and the people say, you know what, I just don't see it. I just don't see it. And then somehow, through their magic of, you know, however they do it, uh, they, they come back in, and they can't believe their eyes. They open up the picture of the, uh, the old house, and they have a brand new house. It occurs to me that in every single one of those episodes I've ever seen, there's never been a couple that have said, man, this is much worse than what it was before. This is, this is horrible. <laughs> this was a shanty before, and now it's like we're living in a cardboard box. We don't like that. We don't like to see things that are changed and changed for the worse. Out with the old and in with the new. You know, on the weight loss shows that we watch sometimes. You know, used to watch The Biggest Loser and how those people, you know, that were uh, weighed uh, extraordinary amounts of weight, you know, three, four hundred pounds. And they're looking at themselves and they're saying, you know, uh, um, I want to be better. And so they put them on an extreme diet that I don't necessarily recommend. And they go through these extreme exercises and they drop weight like crazy. And they show the before and after pictures. It occurs to me that in every one of those pictures, you don't find somebody that says, wow, I was 300 pounds before and now I'm 600 pounds. How in the world does that work? We like to see somebody that's made new. When we look at our lives here in this particular area, when we look at our lives in America 2019 now, it's hard to believe. When you look at your life and we look at the ways that we make ourselves feel new, a lot of times what we're doing is we're only looking at the outward circumstances. If I just have that new house, I'll feel new. You know, the problem with that is that new house gets old. That new house stops feeling new. 
Our children in the days and weeks leading up to Christmas looked at our parents or looked at uh, and wrote to Santa Claus and said, I would love to have this new toy. They don't say usually I'd like to have that old and inferior toy. And as they get that toy, their eyes just light up and they're so excited about it. But you know what happens? That toy becomes old. People will look at their haircut and they'll say, you know, I need a new haircut. I need a new image. I need a new style. And so they'll do that and maybe it makes them feel good for a little while. But you know what? That haircut gets old. We look at all these different circumstances. People will change their haircut. They'll change their car. If I just had that new car, everything would be fine. By the way, those of you that are interested, I didn't find that 2019 Chevy in my driveway on Christmas morning. There you go. All right. But as we look at this, People will change their car, they'll change their hair, they'll change their house. There are people that will sadly change their family. You know what? This this wife isn't making me happy anymore. I need a new wife. I need a new husband. I need a new family in order to be happy. You know what happens? That newness wears off. People say the same thing about the church. You know what? This church just isn't filling my needs anymore. You know what? This church just isn't treating me right anymore. And I just need a new church to go to. You know what? That new church may feel new for a while. It may make you happy for a little while. But after a while, you're going to find it's just the same old you. We look at our New Year's resolutions and we say, I want to be new. I want to be new in my daily Bible reading. I want to be new in my fitness goals. I want to be new in in the way that it is that I treat my family. I want to be new in all these things. Can I tell you something? Why is it that our goals fail miserably by February? Why is it so often that our New Year's resolutions all of a sudden, just after a couple of weeks of daily Bible reading, maybe even just a couple of days, become old because we've already forsaken them? We've already looked at them and said, oh, that's it. You have an exercise goal. I'm going to get up every morning at 6 o'clock and I'm going to go out and I'm going to work out. That's a noble goal to have. What happens on the first day when you start to decide to sleep in? Well, now that goal just isn't as new as it ought to be. And now it is I'm looking at myself and saying, you know what? If I slept in today, I guess it's easier for me to sleep in tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And before too long, it's the same old you. We want to say out with the old and in with the new. Brothers and sisters, we look at ourselves and it strikes me that the book of Colossians deals with a lot of the attitudes and a lot of the thoughts that we get ourselves into. The ruts of just looking at the outward and trying to change the outward circumstances and expecting that's going to make us new on the inside. You know, the book of Colossians is written to people who are dealing with what's called a heresy. That is a choice that they have to make. And these people are trying to take men's traditions and men's uh, wisdom and and apply them in spiritual settings and say, you know what, if you just had Christ and you just uh, applied this, maybe you fast more often. Maybe you do these outward religious acts. Maybe you observe more feast days. Maybe you do these things. Then maybe it'll make you feel new. Paul says, listen, Christ is the basis why we do everything. Christ is the motive and the reason behind the way that we behave as Christians and as people. And if we just hold on to Christ, He's going to change us and make us new from the inside out. The main point of the book of Colossians in upholding Christ as supreme is to tell us He's the only one with the power to make our lives new. You want to leave your Bible open there to the passage that John read for us just a moment ago from Colossians chapter 3. We're going to use this passage. You'll be able to follow right along with the, the points that we're making. But I believe that verses 1 and 2 are the thesis statement for why it is that we can make that statement. 
Why is it that Christ is the only one that has the power to make us new? It's because He tells us, if you were then raised with Christ, note this, it's a fundamental choice between seeking the things where He is, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God, seeking the things which are above and not the things which are here on the earth. You want a powerful, lasting choice in your life. You want to make resolutions that are going to last. Christ has to be at the center of it. Because that's where He is. And the difference and the changes I want to make in myself, whether that be my exercise goals, whether that be my study habits, whether that be my prayer life, whether that be whatever it be, I want to be made new. I want to say out with the old. I don't want to behave the way that I was in 2018. I want to be even more devoted to Christ in 2019. I've got to look at Christ first and see what He wants me to do and see what He wants me to be. It's a choice between seeking the things which are on the earth and seeking the things which are above where Christ is. That's the main point of Colossians chapter 3. That's the main point of Colossians. I can't use earthly wisdom and expect to get heavenly results. I've got to use heavenly wisdom in order to get heavenly results. Make me new, Lord Jesus. Make me new. As we look at the changes that Christ ought to affect in our lives, I want you to notice from Colossians chapter 3, three new things that Christ gives us by us faithfully following Him. What does faithfully following mean to Him? In Colossians chapter 3, I'm seeking the things where He is, not the things on the earth. It's the choice. I want to be where He is. I want to seek the things where He is, not the things which are here on the earth. Note these with me. Number one. Christ has given us a new life. Christ has given us a new life. Look at chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. If you then were raised with Christ, note that there in your Bible. If you were then raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, as we mentioned, it's a choice. I want to look where Christ is. Why? Because I was raised with Him. It's an implication that you're Christians. If you were raised with Christ, and it's implied that you were, What's my wonder, number one goal? Well, I want to seek the things which are above. I want to seek the things where He is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things on, uh, above, not on things of the earth. For you die and your life, you see it? Your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is underlined or noted, when Christ who is our life appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. The Bible says that Christ has made us alive. He's raised us up to sit in the heavenly places in Christ. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6. We want to seek the things which are above where He is. You died. Your life was hidden with Christ and God. We can go back and we can talk about baptism, which Paul talks about in Colossians chapter 2. About how we were buried with Him in baptism. That we were raised to walk together with Him in newness of life. Romans chapter 6. Galatians 2 verse 20. I was I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. My new life is completely devoted, it's completely given over to Jesus. Verse 4 is curious to me. When Christ who is our life appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. I've always looked at this and I've always thought, you know, this has to do with the final judgment. When Christ is uh, come back, as uh, he tells us in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 
When Christ comes back, then we're going to be, rise and meet Him together in the air. And then we'll ever be with the Lord. And that's absolutely true. When Christ appears from the sky, when the heavens are rolled back as a scroll, yes, we will appear with Christ because of our faithfulness, because we've adhered to Him and held on to Him. We've been seeking the things that are above in the language of Colossians 3. But have you ever thought about this application? I'm not sure it's any less valid in verse 4. When Christ, who is our life, appears. Here's me. Galatians 2.20 tells not me that lives, but it's Christ who lives in me. And as I go about my daily life seeking the things which are above, as I go about my daily life not seeking the things which are on the earth, as Christ continually makes me new, you know what's going to happen? The people I interact with on a daily basis, the people that I associate with, you know what's going to happen? They're going to start looking at me and they're going to say, there's something different about you, Andy. You're not like you used to be. You don't use that language like you used to be. You don't, you don't lust like we do. You don't have the same desires as we do. There's a dynamic, there's a strange change that's been brought about in you because you're not following the things that are on the earth anymore. You know, in that moment, those people are going to see Christ. When Christ, who is our life, appears, they see me faithfully upholding the cross, as we talked about in Bible class, the way those apostles did. They see me trying to faithfully live my life for Jesus. They're going to see Jesus. Jesus saying, if I am lifted up from the earth, I'll draw, draw all men to myself. And they're going to see me and say, I know that Andy belongs to Jesus. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with them together in glory. Brothers and sisters, there's a new life that you have. As you carry your cross and follow Jesus, have you live your life to his glory? People are going to note. But note, with a new life means there's a death that's occurred. There's also a death that's taken place. Note these death words. Verse 5 through 7, For you die. Your life is hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is our life, appears, you'll also appear with him in glory. Jumping down to the context. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth. Fornication. Blanket term for all sexual impropriety. Blanket term for all unlawful sexual relationship. Put to death fornication. Put to death uncleanness. It means to wastefully lack restraint. To lustfully fulfill whatever desire that you have. Put to death your passion. That is degrading passion. Those things that I have the desire for and you have the desire for that cause shame. That cause you to look at yourself and say, oh, I wish that wasn't there. Put that to death. Paul says, matter of factly, put it to death. Put to death your evil desire, your longing for what's forbidden. Put to death your covetousness, which is idolatry. You know what? If I just had that car, if I just had that house, if I just had that woman, if I just had that man, if I just had that, I would be. Put it to death. Put it to death. Mortify it. Slay it. Kill it. Derive it of power. All of those words are in the word mortify or put to death. You kill these things. Why is that? Those are things that are down here on the earth. Who am I serving? Where am I looking? I'm looking to the things above. That's my responsibility. There's a death that's taken place. And note verse 7, you once lived in these things. But now you have a new life. Now there's a radical change. I've killed these things. They're in the grave. They're not coming back. There's a, sen a sense of uh, permanentness to that. A sense of finality. Put them in the grave. Not coming back. We do that with our old life. Out with the old. Finish it. In with the new. Just making sure you're still with us.
Point number two, Christ has not just given us a new life. He's given us a new clothing. New clothing. We look at our words in this context, verses 8 through 14, of the putting off and putting on. Look at the words put off, verses 8 and 9. But now you yourselves are to put off all these, anger and wrath and malice and blasphemy and filthy language out of your mouth. Don't lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have now, know this, here's our put on words, put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of the one who has created him. You know, we go to shoe stores. You get new shoes. <laughs> I don't usually get new shoes until the sole is separating from the bottom of the leather on my, on my shoe. I've had several times where it is that the sole has come off completely. I said, okay, I guess I need a new shoe now. You go to the new, shor- a new shoe store, what are you going to do? You're going to sit down. I'm going to take off those shoes and I'm going to put them aside. That's the word here. I'm going to take off that shoe and I'm going to put it in the box. And as I put on those new shoes and I walk around and I feel on them for a little bit and I say, yeah, I want these shoes. I'm going to go up to the clerk and what she's going to ask me, do you want to wear your new shoes out of the store? Absolutely. Especially whenever I don't want to walk on a a shoe with no sole. You know, you're walking around and you're saying, I want to leave those old things behind. What happens to the old things? What happened to the old shoes? They're no longer good. I've got new I'm going to take those and I'm going to put them in the trash because I put on the new. Here's the difference. You, Christian, seeking things where Christ is. I want Christ to be first in everything in my life. I want Christ to be glorified in my life. I want Him to appear in my life. And I want to appear in glory alongside of Him. As I look at myself and I say, I'm going to put off those things. What things? It's funny to me that the things He lists there in verse 8 have to do with our speech, primarily. You put off the anger and malice and wrath and blasphemy and filthy language out of your mouth. You don't lie to one another since you have put off that old man with his deeds. There's no occasion where it's lying is appropriate for a Christian. There's no occasion where blasphemy or filthy language is appropriate for a Christian. It's not me saying, all right, if you're a good Christian, you're going to put off this and this and this and this. It's me looking at Jesus and saying, Christ is my life. Christ is the reason why it is that I am who I am. And this is the way that I don't want to behave anymore. I've taken that off. It's not an outward regulation of saying, do this, do this, do this, do this. It's saying, I want Christ to be seen in my life. He's supreme. He's most important. He says, you put off those things. Note what he says to put on. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, Put on tender mercies. Remember when we used to be in school, those of us who are still in school, and first day of school, you know, it was always that my mother took me new school clothes shopping, and you put those clothes on, and you just feel like a million bucks walking around for the first couple of days, and then for too long, what happens? Those clothes become old. He says, you put on those things. You put on those clothes. You adorn the Spirit of Christ. You put on the image of the new man who is renewed in uh, in knowledge according to the image of the one who's created him. As we look at our new things that we put on, our garments, what if I was to invent a renewable shirt? A shirt that was self-cleaning, a shirt that become better and better every single time that you put it on. It's almost like that's the way Jesus is. 
Because as I faithfully put him on every single new morning and say, this morning I'm going to seek the things that are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. I'm going to seek the things which are above, not the things which are here on the earth. Every single morning I have a chance to renew that garment and to put back on those things that are glorifying to Christ. I want to put back on those things, the tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, Bearing with one another, forgiving one another. If anybody has a complaint against one another, note the standard. Note who we're looking at. It's not under compulsion that you say, well, you got a problem with your brother. Well, you've got to forgive him. You make sure you forgive him. You do what's right. You forgive him. Even as Christ and God forgave us. Even as God forgave you, so you must also do. But above all these things, here's the outer coat. Here's the thing that covers everything else. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. You're never fully dressed without a smile. We like to sing that song around our house from Annie. Brothers and sisters, you're never fully dressed without the love of Christ. Would the love of Christ make a difference in a husband and wife relationship where a husband and wife have trouble speaking kind words to one another? where they have trouble speaking civilly to each other, where it is that they have trouble covering each other's transgressions and not bringing up old past wounds. You know what? Husband decides, I'm going to love this wife. I'm going to love her with all my heart. I'm going to offer that sacrificial love that Christ loved me with. So it is, I'm going to forgive her of her transgressions. I'm going to change the way it is that I'm looking to Christ. I'm going to change the, my focus. I'm not going to look here and say what Dr. Phil or Dr. Oz or Dr. Ruth or Dr. anybody else says about the way it is that I treat my husband or my wife. Some of those things may be rooted in Scripture. Some of those things may be absolutely true. But what I'm going to do is first and foremost, I'm going to look at the way Jesus wants me to treat my husband or my wife. The way it is that I behave, I'm going to put on love over all those other things can make such a difference in my marriage. But if all I'm trying to do is just trying to keep the peace and outwardly just uh, go through this motion, this motion, this motion, this motion. You know what? That news is going to become old before too long. But every single morning waking up and saying, I'm serving Christ today. Therefore, I'm going to treat my wife or my husband the way that I have to. I'm going to be more patient with my children because Christ is Lord of my life. I'm going to deal kindly and lovingly with that coworker that pushes all the wrong buttons. Because Christ is Lord of my life, I'm going to see that checkout lady as a soul who needs salvation. Because Christ is Lord of my life, I'm going to every morning put on those new clothes that he's given me to put on. I'm going to make sure that every day I'm trying to take off and putting off those old clothes and making sure that they're still in the box and going in the trash can. Because I'm seeking the things which are above where he is, sitting at the right hand of God. Last one this morning. Christ has given us a new heart. You may put out beside it new nature, a new key word for life. A new heart, a new nature, a new key word for life. The last three verses of Colossians 3 are a familiar passage, but not necessarily in the context that we're going to use them. There are two lets given here in the scripture, and there's one do, do all. Note the first one. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do, 
Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. It occurs to me that all three of these things are choices that we make. I just want the peace of God to guard my heart in this difficult time. You know, that's something that you let happen. How do you let it happen? If I'm looking correctly at Colossians chapter 3, it's because I'm seeking things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. I'm seeking things which are above, not the things which are on the earth. I let the peace of God rule in my heart. I let the peace of God rule in my heart. I let the word of Christ dwell in me richly with all wisdom. Some people want to just say, you know what, I wish God would just zap me with knowledge. I just wish it was that I could be zapped with knowledge and just have the Holy Spirit come over me and and just tell me everything that I needed to know for life and godliness. You know what? The Holy Spirit has revealed all things that are needed for life and godliness. It's through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. That's 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. And as I let the Word of God dwell in me richly, I let the Word of Christ dwell in me richly. Why? Because I'm seeking the things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. As I let that happen... I'm going to be somebody who encourages and who edifies. My worship is going to be transformed from the inside out. You ever come into worship and say, you know what? I just don't get anything out of worship. You know what? This worship was as dry and as boring to me as it possibly could be. Why is that? Why is that? It's because I haven't let the word of Christ dwell in me richly in all wisdom. It's because I haven't sought the things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. When that's my daily prayer and my daily aim, you know what's going to happen? My worship is going to be transformed from the inside out. Because when Sunday rolls around, when Wednesday rolls around, when opportunities to gather together with Christ's saints gather around, when we get together with people who are, have that singular goal to glorify Christ in our lives, to seek the things that are above, we're going to look forward to times like this. And we're going to leave out with more than we can. That's a choice that I make. But as if to say, if there's anything we've left out, verse 17, whatever you do in word or deed, note the authority. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Note with me three things just about this. Number one, verse 15 has to do primarily with your attitude, doesn't it? Has to do with your attitude. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. The second has to do with your thought life. The third has to do with your actions and with your words. From the inside out, my heart, my mind, my lifestyle. But there was a word that I missed in all three of these verses. It's the new nature, it's the new word, it's the new product of my life. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you were called in one body and, what is it? Be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace. Same root word as the word for thankful. There's thankfulness there. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks. Same root word. When I come along and I have a a problem that comes into my life, when I look at my life and I see difficult and hard things to to come in, you know what I'm doing? I'm seeking the things which are above. You know what that's going to lead me to? That's going to lead me to thanks. Not only in my heart, not only in my mind, but also in my actions and in my words. Brothers and sisters, I don't know what kind of 2018 you have. 
I don't know how difficult this past year was for you. But you know what? I know there was an opportunity to give thanks. Because it is that we're with Christ. We're seeking things where He is. I don't know what kind of difficult medical diagnosis you got last year. I don't know the members of your family that you lost last year. But you know what? I know there's an opportunity to give thanks. And when we have those days that we look at and we say, this was the absolute worst day ever. You know what? A responsibility of looking and seeing Christ and seeking the things which are above is to say, you know what? Let's stop for a minute and let's play the gratitude game. What can I be thankful for because of this? Yes, I lost my mother. Yes, I lost my father. Yes, I got the diagnosis. It's cancer. Yes, I know that the truck blew two tires today and there's probably going to be two more that are blown tomorrow. And as we look at the focus on the bad things, as we focus on the difficult, we want to try and make those changes earthly that are going to last and that are going to make us new and we can't do that because they're not going to. But if I look at Jesus and I say, you know what? God, I'm thankful that I had tires on my car to blow. God, I'm thankful that I lived for so many years with good health. And I know, God, that if even with this difficult cancer diagnosis, even though I'm dealing with this right now, I know that I've got a body that's not made with hands, eternal in the heavens, which you prepared for me, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. God, I know that even though that husband or that wife may not treat me right, I'm going to continue to seek Christ. I'm going to continue to be renewed in knowledge according to the image of one that's created me. I'm not going to try and use earthly wisdom to deal with this problem. I'm going to serve the way Jesus served. I'm going to humble myself the way Jesus humbled himself. And I'm going to change me. Out with the old, on with the new. You know what's going to happen is that's going to transform that marriage. You know what's going to happen? That's going to make a lasting difference. Even, even if it is the only New Year's resolution you've made is that I want to get more physically in shape. I hope that's not the only one, but I hope you've made others that, that are maybe aimed in a spiritual direction. But if you're looking at your life and you're saying, you know what, I'm 200 pounds overweight, I'm 100 pounds overweight, I'm 50 pounds overweight, I'm 25 pounds overweight, and I want to lose this, why? Well, because I want to feel better about myself, because I want to, I want to be able to run with the kids, I want to be able to, okay. Brothers and sisters, if that is not rooted, and my desire to be more self-disciplined the way my Savior is, that resolution is ultimately going to become old. Out with the old, in with the new. Christ is the only one who has the power to make us new. And as we want to be more devoted in our daily Bible reading, as we want to be more devoted in our prayer life and all those wonderful things that I hope that it is that you're wanting to do, as we want to become more involved in the church, it can't just be to please somebody, or to look more spiritual. You know what? I'm going to fall off the wagon with my resolutions. I just know it. I've already fallen off the wagon with one of my resolutions, and I know it. But every single day as I get back up, I have an opportunity to renew my commitment. I have an opportunity to say, I'm Christ's man, I'm Christ's woman. I'm going to do the things that are pleasing to Him first and foremost. I'm going to make the changes based upon Him in my life and me looking to see where He is and where He wants me to be. And all of those things. Well, Paul would tell Timothy, bodily exercise profits a little. So, but godliness is profitable for all things. 1 Timothy 4, verse 8. 
That means it's powerful to make a change in your life. If it is that you will make the choice to seek the things which are above and not the things on the earth. Out with the old and with the new. Brothers and sisters, I hope it is that every single day that you wake up when 2019, if God gives us an entire year, regardless of if this year is better or worse than the last, regardless of the, if the bottom drops out this year, you're going to say, regardless of the financial, the medical, the family, whatever problems I face, I'm going to keep seeking Christ. I'm going to keep looking at things above, not at things on the earth. If it is this morning that you need help with that, if we can encourage you and pray for you and pray with you, we'd love to do that. Maybe it is that you are not a Christian this morning. I want you to listen very carefully to me. You can be right with God this morning. You can be made new this morning. It is that fact that if you're outside of Christ, the Bible calls you a child of disobedience. The Bible calls you a son of wrath. That is, if it were that Christ were to come back this morning, or if it is that you were to die as you exited the auditorium this morning, you would be in a position, the unenviable position, to have God's wrath poured out upon you because of your sin. That's just the truth of the matter. But it is that God, because He so loved you, because He so loved me, even when we were children of wrath, even when we were by nature sons of disobedience, God sent Jesus to die and to become the perfect sacrifice for us so that we didn't have to die, so that we could be made new and live in God's presence, not only now, but also throughout all eternity. If you're ready to obey the gospel this morning, we can assist you with that as we stand and sing our invitation song.